Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Companions of the Message. This is Maha. And this is Sara. So alhamdulillah, we are on our third episode of the qualities of the Sahaba. We covered modesty, we covered generosity, and inshallah today, we wanted to go a little bit outside the box and talk about seeking knowledge. This is one quality that the Sahabas all embodied. Regardless if they were people who narrated hadith or taught Quran, they sought knowledge. They were the companions of the Prophet because they wanted to learn from him. The best thing about being friends with people is what you can benefit and gain and learn from your friends. So I wanted to start off with a hadith. Um, and we always hear like part of this hadith. So I'm actually going to say the entire hadith in this episode. عن أبي الدرداء قال أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من سلك طريقا يبتغي فيه علما سهر الله طريقا إلى الجنة. So the Prophet says whoever treads on the path of knowledge, Allah makes it easier for him to enter Jannah. And this hadith is a familiar hadith, but honestly, the rest of the hadith is even more beautiful, subhanAllah. So the Prophet goes on to say, And that angels lower their wings out of respect for you, right? A student of knowledge. Anyone listening to this episode right now is a student of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the Prophet goes on to say, And the Prophet says that the heavens and the earth make istighfar for the student of knowledge. Even the whales in the water, right? Imagine that everything on this earth, everything in the heavens is asking Allah to forgive you if you're a student of knowledge, if you're seeking knowledge. And then he says that the uniqueness or the excellence of a scholar is like the uniqueness of the moon compared to the stars. And then he ends it off by saying, so then he ends it by saying that scholars are inheritors of the prophets. That a student of knowledge or a scholar doesn't inherit money, doesn't inherit gold, doesn't inherit anything except for knowledge from the prophets. And when the Prophet says that scholars or students of knowledge are inheritors of the prophets, of anbiya, it means that the next best thing after prophets are students of knowledge or are scholars. The respect that we give to prophets is the same respect that we give to students of knowledge and to scholars. And listening to you say this, Sada, like I'm thinking of my own journey to Islam. I was a born Muslim, but we each find Allah at a different point of our lives. Just because your mm -hmm. parents are Muslim, it doesn't mean you automatically act on it. Maybe you've accepted it, but you didn't act on this faith that you were claiming. So when I think of scholars or people of students of knowledge, I think of local sisters that really presented Islam in a way that made me understand it. And a lot of us are thinking, oh, I can never be a student of knowledge. I can never be someone who memorized all these ahadith. I can never be like Bukhari. You don't have to be like anyone. Just be your best. And the hadith I wanted to bring up of the Prophet Sallallahu to really let us embody what it means to seek knowledge. The Prophet Sallallahu says seeking knowledge is an obligation upon every Muslim. Do not think a student of knowledge is just for the elite. It's just for to be a scholar. We should all be seeking knowledge at whatever capacity. So don't think that this hadith doesn't apply to you. You seeking knowledge, you attending a Quran class, you sitting with a Quran teacher, you sitting with your sheikh is allowing the angels to make a istighfar for you. For the fish and the whales in the ocean to make a istighfar for you. And I'll never forget this girl was saying, she was like, subhanAllah, like the angels don't see anything but light, right? They're made out of light. They see light too mm -hmm. and she said that when they see light is when they see a circle of people remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they fly around right looking for this light looking for these circles that are remembering Allah that are seeking this knowledge and I, I can't imagine like how beautiful it is to imagine right now Sarah, as we're recording that there's light shining from where we are subhanallah so I just wanted to like I don't know how to word this but like humanize this, this term of seeking knowledge or being a student of knowledge 
You, like it's available to everyone. It's mandatory, not just available. It's mandatory for every single person to understand their religion. You cannot just live your life blindly, not knowing what it is you're believing, not knowing what it is you're representing. If you are wearing a hijab, understand the hijab, understanding who it is you're serving. Because when somebody comes up to you and says, and this happened to me in high school, one of my teachers, he said to me, Saad, he goes, I was almost about to accept Islam, but I didn't like the way Islam was labeling and treating women. And I'm in high school, maybe a sophomore. I didn't understand Islam. And I understood my culture. And I knew my culture was oppressive. And I understood what he was saying because of my culture. I had nothing to say and I was quiet. I still think about this moment 10 years later and some. Because I'm thinking like if I would have known more, if I would have understood the rights of a woman in Islam, I would have been able to show him that in reality, it's the deen, it's this religion that really empowers women. And we are in the month of Women's History Month. And I don't want to you know, go off tangent too much, but knowing your religion enough or at least understanding the basics of your religion will allow you to not just defend it, but to be honored by it and not have someone see you and say, oh, poor girl. And really showing that what it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you to be. And also like maybe a tangent to this conversation, but since we're talking about respect for students of knowledge, respect for ulama, teachers, scholars, mentors, I think it's important to mention that you should never find yourself being that person who nitpicks at scholars or teachers, mm. criticizes them, insults them. Obviously, we're not saying that if there's something that they're doing that's wrong, to not call it out. Yeah. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look at how he honors a student of knowledge. It's he common. compares a student of knowledge to a moon. Everything in the heavens and the earth is making istighfar, is respecting the student of knowledge. And so you also need to give them their due respect. Yeah. So I wanted to segue into the best form of knowledge since this is an Islamic podcast, right? So we started off saying that seeking knowledge will pave the way for you to enter Jannah. And that obviously means any kind of knowledge, right? So you being a student in college, studying you know, medicine or mm-hmm. studying engineering or whatever, that's also you seeking knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also giving you that respect. But I wanted to focus on the best kind of knowledge, which is the knowledge of the deen. The Prophet says, That the best of you are those who learn Quran and teach it. And so I think the first form of knowledge that we should talk about now is learning the Quran. Because that's our main guideline for how to live our lives. That's literally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking to us. And so I think if you're still trying to learn, if you're you know beginning to learn Islam, you're starting to practice Islam, I think the best advice is to start with the Qur'an. Mm-hmm. Start reading the Qur'an. Start listening to videos of tafsirs of the Qur'an. And once you feel like you're on that path, you're learning the Qur'an, make it a goal to teach someone else the Qur'an. You don't have to be a scholar to teach the Qur'an. And I don't mean like teaching tafsir or like, you know, like starting a class, but I mean starting a simple halqa at your masjid or Zoom calls or FaceTime calls where you guys are reciting Qur'an together, trying to better your recitation, mm-hmm. trying to reflect upon the Qur'an together, right? Like it's, it's you know, the Qur'an is not just reserved for scholars. This is the religion that or offers Ramadan. or Ramadan exactly <laughs> so this religion offers you know the Quran to every single person so something I wanted to highlight was the hadith Jibreel it's a very familiar hadith where Jibreel comes in a man form and asks the prophet these questions what is Arkan al-Islam Iman and the signs of day of judgment but I wanted to focus on the first half the first part actually in which the etiquettes of approaching or seeking knowledge. We can learn so much from Angel Jibreel the way he approached the Prophet Muhammad So when it narrates, it tells us that he was in a form of a man and he was wearing very clean clothes. And it shows you that when you are seeking knowledge and whenever you are seeking or approaching someone of knowledge, you should be in your best attire. You should be clean. And the second thing that was mentioned was how dark his hair was. And it shows you that when you are seeking knowledge, it's best to seek it at your youth. It's best to seek it when you're still young. It's a different kind of relationship when it's when you're younger. It's easy for you to understand. It's easy for you to memorize. And it doesn't mean, okay, khalas, I'm of, of age of like 35. I want you to know that the Prophet ﷺ labels your youth until you're 40. So we are still in this. 
I'm still in this. So subhanAllah, so seeking knowledge in your youth. And the last point of this hadith is the way that he sat in front of the Prophet Muhammad Him sitting right in front of him, his knees touching his knees. You know, you are not above anyone. Do not think because, oh, I'm this person or I have this career that they should be blessed that I'm coming to the halaqa or they should be honored that I'm even listening in. You are going to this teacher with such humility, putting yourself at such a low level, knowing that this person has something that's beyond any degree. And the way the hadith is narrated that he put his, that his knee was right in front of the Prophet's knee. And I want you guys to know, sitting on your knees is not easy. Like, I don't know if you, you ever sat or like sat in the masjid and listened to halaqa and you're sitting on your knees. They get numb. Yeah, they get numb, right? Yeah. And subhanAllah, like, I just feel like it's really important to make sure that you're not sitting sloppy. When you're thinking about it, like the etiquette of even sitting, like you shouldn't be slouched over, you shouldn't be, you should be matching your teacher. If your teacher's sitting upright, you should be sitting upright, making sure you're coming with that same energy. And I was reading this book by Mikael Smith, and he said he came to the masjid, and the sheikh asked him, "Did you make wudu?" And he said, "No, I'm not on wudu." So he told him to go make wudu. How can you approach the words of Allah without even being on wudu? And we have people questioning, "I can touch the Quran without wudu or not?" And this is seeking knowledge, like purify your heart with your body purified, making sure you are always in a constant state of cleanliness when you are approaching. Or seeking knowledge and with this hadith we learn a lot about the etiquettes of seeking knowledge the way you should be looking right with your attire the years we should be using to seek knowledge and also making sure that we are coming to our teachers with humility and knowing that they have something that we are literally going to benefit for for the rest of our lives right and I love you mentioning the the hair thing or the age mm -hmm. uh, factor because I feel like a lot of young people think that like being knowledgeable or being a scholar is like something that's only reserved for like our fathers or grandfathers yeah. right like every scholar that you know is called a scholar when they're much older. And obviously that's after years of research, but yeah. they started that research when they were young. And then another thing that I loved, Maha, is like you talking about the etiquettes of seeking knowledge. So I was like listening to a bunch of episodes by this, you know, female scholar from Egypt. And she was talking about how sometimes we meet teachers, you know, Islamic teachers or scholars who they know a lot about Islam, but it doesn't match their energy. Like the way that they are, you're like, I don't, this doesn't feel like a great person. Like they're harsh? Maybe that they're harsh or just that, overall like their character isn't the best yeah but you still feel like you have to respect them and it just doesn't it doesn't sit right with you and she said oftentimes those people they learned about islam without learning the etiquettes of seeking knowledge first mm. and that when you first learn the etiquettes of seeking knowledge you realize that like it teaches you to first perfect your character and have like the right mannerisms before you actually learn the knowledge mm. because then you're you're able to better practice that knowledge and that reminds me of the story of Musa and Khidr, right, alayhi salam. When he met Khidr, the way he spoke to him, like, oh, you know, you don't have patience. You're not going to be able to do this. Like, you'll never see a teacher discouraging their student, but that's what Khidr was saying. Like, you're not up to this task. And then telling him he can't ask any questions. Like, what teacher would say you can't ask any questions? So us looking at Khidr now in this, this generation of mindset of seeing like, oh, wow, this is not the ideal teacher that I would want. But Musa, alayhi salam, was still after him, was still under his hand just to get a few like life lessons from this man. And, and that shows you that you're not always going to to like the way your teacher's teaching, right? The teaching style that they have. But it doesn't take away from what knowledge they do have and that you are seeking it. So I'm not saying, you know, stay under an abusive teacher or whatever the case is, but there are there will be that. And you have to know, okay, I'm only taking this from this person, not their etiquettes. And just to bring it back to the knowledge of the Quran, on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to say, اقرأ وارتقي ورتل كما كنت ترتل في الدنيا فإن منزلك عند آخر آية تقرأها. Allah is going to order you to recite from the Quran. And the last ayah that you land on is going to be your level in Jannah. So now take a moment to think about how much Quran you're reciting and how much Quran you know. And this isn't to chastise you for not memorizing Quran or not being a hafiz of the Quran. Mm -hmm. This is just to say you need to read more Quran. The amount of Quran that you read is going to determine your level in Jannah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in an ayah, 
ومن أحسن قولا ممن دعا إلى الله وعمل صالحا وقال إنني من المسلمين. He says, who is better than one who calls to Allah and does good deeds? Meaning that you can't do good deeds unless you know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah doesn't say no, but he says calls to Allah because you can't call to Allah, you can't do da'wah unless you know. Meaning that you need to know enough to be able to do da'wah. Sometimes when you're put in that situation where you want to give da'wah to someone but you don't know how to or you don't know what to say, even though that's kind of embarrassing and you feel you know, a little ashamed for not having enough knowledge, that should be a good motivator for you to go back and learn and then you know go back to that person. And on that note, Sara, I feel like for me I know in Arabic school I learned so many surah right and as I got older I forgot more and more my salah became limited to like the three quls right and yeah. spice it up with surah al-asr right <laughs> so I started to think to myself okay like at least let me always remember what I learned if you're someone who struggles or has really bad memory at least try to memorize what you already had memorized and for me juza'amma if you're really struggling with your iman or your faith, Jazah Amma really hits your heart like no other Jazah. Like it really humbles you because it talks about heaven. It talks about Jahannam. It talks about the signs of the day. It really makes you feel that you are about to be in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very, very soon because that is the case, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we see it as far, but he sees it as very near. So this is a, a Jazah that's very easy to memorize and it really will impact your iman. So if you're trying to get back into the flow of memorizing the Quran, start with Jazah Amma. So now we're going to conclude that episode by focusing on a Sahabi who was known as the seeker of knowledge. Salman al-Farisi was from al-Majus, right? A people who worshipped fire. And his father was, was overly protective. He wouldn't let him go anywhere. So he was deeply attached to his son. So one time when Salman al-Farisi was left at home by his father, his father got a little busy. He snuck away for a little bit. And he was walking and he heard Christians worshipping. And he went and he sat with them. And after this happened, his dad actually imprisoned him. He was so upset at him for leaving. And he kept him home and he told him, our religion is better than any religion. And then Salman al-Farisi, from that interaction, heard that the origin of Christianity, right, because those people were, were Christians, that the origin of Christianity was in a sham. And so he decided to leave his father, you know, sneak away once again. So Salman al-Farisi joins a caravan and travels all the way to Asham because that's where the authentic version of Christianity is being practiced. So the priests that were there believed that Isa was just a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he wasn't God. So it wasn't the adapted version of Christianity that we know now. And so he was learning under this priest and he realized that the priest was corrupt. He was stealing people's money. He was evil. But he still stayed under him, right? SubhanAllah, again, just because they have bad qualities doesn't mean you should be leaving your teachers. There's still something to learn from them. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And so then after he passed away, he learns under another Christian priest who was righteous mm -hmm. this time. And then this one passes away, but he tells him before he dies. Salman asks the Christian priest, tell me of another person who I can learn under. So the priest tells him to go to Al-Musl, right, in Iraq, to learn under someone else. That teacher also falls ill, and he's, you know, nearing his death. And he guides Salman to another priest in Nisiban. And Salman al-Farisi loved the priest that was in Nisiban. He loved him more than his previous one. He learned so much under him. And then he asked him as this priest was nearing his death, he said, can you please guide me to someone else who will be my teacher? And he said, I only know of one person who is practicing the true religion of monotheism. And he's like, and he's in Amuriya. He's in another place. And so then Salman travels all the way to that place. And then this priest also is nearing his death. So just imagine oh. Salman al-Farisi is jumping from place to place just for a teacher. So this isn't like easy traveling either, like how we're imagining how quick it is to go from country to country. This is hitchhiking. This is, you know, traveling by foot, traveling by camel or by whatever horse, you know, they can get their hands on. So this is months traveling between places, seeking just knowledge, subhanAllah. Yes, subhanAllah. And then the Christian priest that was in Amuriya, he's nearing his death. And Salman tells him, can you please guide me to another teacher? And he tells him, I don't know anyone on earth 
who is still on the true religion of Christianity. But he says, I have good news. There's a prophet that's coming with the truth and he'll be from a land full of palm trees. And so Salman al-Farisi does some research and he realizes that the land is like in the Arabian lands. And so he goes on a caravan to go to that land and he basically sells a goat and a cow so that they can like accept him on the caravan basically. Mm -hmm. While he's on that caravan, they set him up and they sell him as a slave. And so remember, Salman al-Farisi, you know, he not only came from a tribe of like fire worshippers, but his father was also very wealthy. So he came from wealth. So just imagine that he's doing all of this to seek knowledge from place to place, from teacher to teacher. And then he gets to a point where he's sold as a slave. So he gets sold to a Jewish man and he starts seeing palm trees, right, in that area. And he gets really excited because he's like, maybe this is the land of the prophet. And then the cousin of the slave master that he was working under is actually from Yathrib. And this master sells him to his cousin. So Salman al-Farisi is now sold to a slave that's from Yathrib. And Yathrib is present day in Medina. And this cousin was from Bani Quraydas. And so now just keep in mind that he's getting closer and closer to the Prophet And so one day Salman is on a tree picking dates for his master. And he overhears a cousin of his slave master talking to the man. And this cousin is from Medina. And he says that Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj, they're going to be destroyed because they're following, you know, a man who's from Mecca claiming to be a prophet and whatnot. And Salman hears this and he gets so excited. And he says, I got so excited that I almost fell from the tree. And so Salman al-Fadisi runs to his master and the cousin and he says, what did you say? Like, repeat what you said. And the master smacks him and he says, go back to work. So when Salman was learning under one of his Christian teachers, his mentor tells him that the prophet that's coming has signs of his prophethood. So one sign is that he doesn't take from charity. The other sign is that he accepts gifts. And then the other sign is that he has a birthmark on his back. So that's the seal of prophethood. So Salman goes to Quba and he takes some dates with him. And he enters upon the Prophet ﷺ, you know, who is sitting with the Sahaba. So he tells them, I brought some charity and he gives them the dates. And the Prophet ﷺ accepts the dates. He says, thank you. And then he gives the dates to the Sahaba around him. Mm-hmm. So they start eating from the dates. And Salman notices that the Prophet isn't eating from the dates. And so Salman was like, you know, check one. That's it. That's the first sign. A few days later, he hears that the Prophet goes to Medina. And Salman follows him to Medina with dates once again. And he approaches the Prophet and he gives him the dates and he says, this is a gift. I brought you a gift. And the Prophet says, thank you. And he gives it to the Sahaba around him. And then he starts eating from the dates as well, like along with the Sahaba. Mm -hmm. So Salman is getting really excited. He's like, yes, you know, second sign, check. And then a few days later, the Prophet was assisting in a burial. And Salman al-Farisi was there with him. And Salman is standing there trying so hard to see the birthmark on the Prophet And the Prophet notices that he's trying to see, so he kind of moves his clothing so that Salman al-Farisi can see the birthmark. And when Salman al-Farisi notices the birthmark, he begins to weep, so he starts crying. And he goes to the Prophet and he kisses the Prophet and he declares his shahada. So the nickname that was given to Salman al-Farisi is al-Bahith an al-Haqiqa, the seeker of truth. Look at how determined he was to find the truth, no matter what it took. Not only was he nicknamed the seeker of truth, the Sahaba loved Salman al-Farisi so much. The Prophet ﷺ even says about Salman al-Farisi, Salman minna al al-Bayt, mm. that Salman is from us, from the family of the Prophet ﷺ. And he was, you know, he goes on to be like this really powerful Sahabi. He was the hero of a battle. So we know the battle of Khandaq, right? The battle of the trench. His idea is what gave victory to the Muslims on that day. And subhanAllah, when we were taking this class with Sheikh Umar Sulaiman, he was talking about um, Salman al-Farisi. And he was saying how he didn't speak much. And when you think of someone who's a seeker of knowledge or a student of knowledge or giving knowledge, you think of them as being the, the, the loudest person in the room. And you yourself, when you're seeking knowledge, you feel like I have to let everyone know what it is I know and force it down their throat, right? Mm -hmm. This is a quality of like an overzealous like youth 
who attained very minimal knowledge, they feel like that they can now be on the league of any kind of scholar. So when I hear this, that Salman al-Farisi barely used to speak, and this is someone who had so much knowledge that would travel, like you said, from country to country, right? And was even put into slavery because of his because of how eager he was to seek knowledge, it shows you that you as a person of knowledge, yes, share what you know, but do it with an etiquette. Do it with the form of them seeking you, them wanting you to be their teacher. And it shows us that when we are seeking knowledge, right, or when we are students of knowledge, or maybe we have some knowledge to share, we shouldn't be obnoxious about it. We shouldn't make every sitting a reminder, making sure that every time someone's around me, they have to learn something. A lot of the things that someone can learn from you is from your etiquettes. In order for them to learn from your knowledge, let them first observe and appreciate your etiquette in the way that you are as a human being for them to know that okay this person now has something for my spiritual self and subhanallah that's a great way to segue into like this really tiny story and then we're gonna inshallah close off the episode Salman al-Farisi became an emir of an area in Iraq and so he leaves his home one day and he sees a man carrying you know a bunch of goods and he goes and he helps the man carry his goods as they're walking they meet a group of men and the men greet Salman al-Farisi by saying salamu alaykum ya amir so they say salamu alaykum O leader And the man says, who's the Amir? And then the group of men say, the man that's carrying your goods. SubhanAllah, like the level of humility that he had. He's leading an entire qawm, right? Like an entire tribe. And he's here carrying the goods of a man that's coming from a sham. And subhanAllah, that shows you like the etiquettes when you're seeking knowledge or when you've attained a certain level of knowledge. Knowledge should humble you. With knowledge, there should be an increase of etiquette. There should be an increase of character. There should be an increase of your humility. Knowledge is not supposed to take those things away and put you on a pedestal clear of any of that, right? If you're seeking knowledge, seek it for the right reason. Seek it to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seek it for the reward of those who teach. So inshallah, this concludes our episode of Seeking Knowledge. And if there's any hadith that I feel like needs to be reiterated again, it's the hadith of the Prophet where he says, Seeking knowledge is an obligation upon every Muslim. Know that this episode is speaking to you. You who think that they know enough, you don't. Seek more knowledge. Benefit yourself. This is only for your own akhirah. This is only for your own benefit in your character. And also when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to conclude with the beautiful dua of the Prophet ﷺ that is encouraged for us to say three times in the morning and in the evening. Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'ah wa rizqan tayyibah wa amalan mutaqabbala. Oh Allah, I ask of you beneficial knowledge. The fact that we have to ask for knowledge that benefits because not all knowledge is the same. You can be seeking knowledge that has absolutely no benefit and wasting your time. So asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to benefit you or to bless you with beneficial knowledge and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to provide for you with halal means, making sure that your income is coming from a place of good. Again, not all income is the same and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts all of our good actions. Ameen, Ya Rab. Ameen. Jazakum Allahu khairan for joining. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.